Good morning, church. Happy Resurrection Day to each and every one. We're glad that you're here. Always glad and excited to have our guests with us as well, and hope that you come back next Lord's Day if you're looking for a place to hang out, and uh, we'd love to hang out with you. Uh, Let me say thank you to everyone that pitched in on the drama for Palm Sunday weekend. Uh, Obviously, all the disciples that uh, learned their lines, but there were so many people from sight and sound back in the booth to the ladies that came out to do makeup and the... uh, Well, okay, I'm getting in trouble by trying to name everything, right? But uh, we had a blast. We had a wonderful time. May God be praised and Jesus lifted up in what we do. Please turn in your scriptures to the book of Ephesians. That's a tiny little book, but you'll be able to find it if you can find Acts, Romans, 1 and 2 Corinthians, Galatians, another tiny book, and then Ephesians. We'll be there in just a minute. While you're turning, I'll go ahead and begin. About uh, 23 years ago, an actor and comedian, George Burns, died. Okay, half of the group today will know who George Burns is, and the other may not. And that's okay. Uh, The the crazy thing about George Burns, he he had a successful career, uh, but he experienced longevity in both life and career. You see, George Burns lived to be 100 years of age. In fact, people would comment to him and say, George, you're you're drinking martinis, you're smoking big cigars, you're 100 years old, what does your doctor say about it? He said, I outlived them all. (laughs) George, you know his real name isn't George, his real name is Nathan And one of the things about uh, George or Nathan is he's always going to be remembered for he lived to be 100 years of age. But although he lived to be 100, he died. He died because we all will die. There's other people that have lived and died. Uh, Kurt Cobain, 27 years of age when he died. Then there's a uh, Whitney Houston died at 48. Buddy Holly, that'll be the day he died at 22. Elvis Presley died at 42. I have uh, had uh, a relative that died of alcoholism at age 54. I had another relative that died of AIDS at the age of 32. Everyone dies. Everyone dies, and we're not all going to die in a plane crash. We're not all going to die at 100. We're not all going to die of alcoholism, and we're not all going to die of AIDS, but we're all, every one of us, are going to die. When we go to face the grim reaper, it matters if we knew Jesus or not, and that's why We come to worship him and praise him and get to know him and love him to accept his sacrifice that he made on Calvary's tree for our sins. And on a day like today, wow, we celebrate Jesus. We celebrate him. You know, everybody needs to have a bucket list. You need a bucket list and you need some pretty exciting things to be on that bucket list. But you need to have on it getting right with the Lord Jesus Christ. Getting right with the Lord. 
and getting ready for that next land. You see, everybody is going to die. It's not going to matter how much money you've got in the bank when you die. It's not going to matter the square footage of your home when you die. It's not going to matter how many birthdays you celebrated, how many trips you've taken. It's going to matter if you believe that Jesus Christ is Lord of Lords and King of Kings. It's going to matter if he is Messiah to the world in your life as well. We need to be right with the Lord. Do you believe that he died for your sins? Do you believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of the living God? Do you believe? Now, first of all, we're going to look at his death. And if you've turned over to Ephesians uh, chapter 1, I want to read there beginning with verses 7 and 8. I believe these verses are so cool. They're so weighty, so powerful. And let me read. In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses according to the riches of his grace, which he, listen to this, he lavished on us in all wisdom and insight. I love that text because I love the word lavished. I think about lavished and I think about Uh, I went to school at Mid-Atlantic Christian University, and they had absolutely outstanding the best cooks in the cafeteria in the entire brotherhood. I don't know what colleges are doing now, but they, they had fantastic food. Listen, Willie would make up this big pan of rolls, multiple pans to feed the staff, faculty, and the students, and she would dip... Ladies, I don't know what the brush is called. I call it a paintbrush. She would dip that brush in the butter and just lavish that butter. And Jesus Christ has lavished redemption, forgiveness on us. Why do we come to celebrate him? Why we cannot get enough of Jesus? Because of what he has lavished on us, redemption and the forgiveness of sins. Let me keep reading in chapter 2 of Ephesians and Verse 13, in chapter 2, 13, where it reads this. But now in Christ Jesus, you who formerly were far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ. You know why I love this verse? See, I bring out the text that I love. It is very specific. It is very plain. It is very clear. It is by the blood of Jesus Christ that brought us near to God. Fall in love with the sacrifice uh, that Jesus made for you and for me. It is all about him. It is about him dying for us. And you see, the beauty of that verse is, he takes that which is alienated. He takes that which is separated from God because of our sin. And through the blood of Jesus, he brings everyone that desires to come by faith, he brings everyone closer to God. And that's what that verse says. We are brought near by his sacrifice. And then I want you to turn Ephesians chapter 5 and verses 25 through 27. Chapter 5, 25, 26, and 27. Husbands, love your wives just as Christ also loved the church and he gave himself for her. Right here, right here at Good Friday, he gave himself for his bride. Who is his bride? It's the church. It's us. 
Don't ever put the church down. Why? Because you're putting down his bride. Celebrate this. And then verse 26, so that he might sanctify her, having cleansed her by the washing of water with the word, that he might present to himself the church in all her glory, having no spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that she would be holy and blameless. Wow, I use those verses about husbands and wives for us to understand that Jesus expects his bride, the church, to be holy. He expects us to live a reverential life, living for him. Jesus Christ loved the church enough that he died on Good Friday. Children may ask, why was it Good Friday? He died because it was good for us. His blood was shed, and we have life in his name because of his blood. Now, there's things that I'm never going to hear. I'm never going to hear Ed McMahon saying, Creighton, you've won the publisher's clearinghouse. I'm never going to hear that. Number one, because he died in 2009. But I'm not going to hear it at all. I don't hold my breath for that. I'm not going to hear, never will, hear Nashville country music call me on the phone and say, we want you to do a music video for us. I'm never going to hear that. And I'm never going to hear the IRS saying, Mr. Beatty, we at the IRS are here to help you. (laughs) I don't believe it. And I'm never going to hear it. And I'm also never going to hear Creighton Beatty from the God of the universe. You are the most despicable, vile, sinful man I've ever had in my creation. I'm never going to hear that, whereby it may be true. He may be able to say that. I'm never going to hear it because what we are going to hear, we are going to hear, Creighton Beatty, you have accepted my son as your savior and you have lived for him. You are covered in his blood and your sins are wiped clean. They are forgiven. And I say, hallelujah, praise God. A judge had entered a not guilty plea on behalf of a young man who would not declare in court he would not plea his own innocence or his own guilt. So the judge took the lesser. It was Nicholas Cruz, the teenager that went into the South Florida high school. And by the way, that that's, feels like it was three or four years ago. It was last year. It was February last year that Nicholas Cruz was indicted on 17 accounts of premeditated murder in first degree and another 17 counts of attempted murder in the first degree. Can you imagine being in his shoes? And I say I cannot imagine being in those shoes. The rest of your life and the rest of your future is going to be held in sway by the jury and the judge when he says, ladies and gentlemen of the jury, uh, is this your verdict? So say you one, so say you all. That is the verdict. He is guilty. And we, dear friends, there's going to be a judgment day, and it says so in the book of Revelation. Would you take time to turn to Revelation 20 if you know how to get in your scriptures real well? In Revelation 20, verses 11 through 15, let's read about the end time judgment day where it says, Then I saw a great white throne, and him who sat upon it, 
from whose presence earth and heaven fled away, and no place was found for them. And I saw the dead, the great and the small, standing before the throne, and the books were opened. And another book was opened, which is the book of life. And the dead were judged from the things which were written in the books, according to their deeds. And the sea gave up the dead which were in it, and death and Hades gave up the dead which were in them, and they were judged, every one of them, according to their deeds. Then death and Hades were thrown into the lake of fire. This is the second death, the lake of fire. And if anyone's name was not found written in the book of life, he was thrown into the lake of fire. My goodness. Without a shadow of doubt, he who raised from the dead had spoken through his Holy Spirit to John, the revelator, And he wrote down these passages about the judgment day and what's going to happen there. What's going to happen there? The judgment day. I tell you what it says. We better have ourselves a good defense attorney. And according to 1 John chapter 2, verses 1 and 2, we do. We do. Jesus Christ, the righteous, he is our advocate. He is our attorney. He is our lawyer, of course. He he is going to be our mediator. He's our go-between. He's the bridge between you and me and God himself. Jesus is the bridge, and he fills that gap. And our sins are washed, erased, forgiven, absolved, pardoned, abolished, acquitted, removed, canceled, blotted out, nullified, deleted, cleared. They're gone, our sins all because of what Jesus did. And there is no other name given among men whereby we may be saved. But at the name of Jesus, the Bible says, and I believe it. And so, don't tell me that we're wasting our time here today. Don't tell me that I waste my time in devotion to Jesus Christ. Don't tell us that we waste our time talking about the holy life and studying the Bible, and you're not wasting your time either. That's what believing in the death means, that he died and shed his blood for our sins. But secondly today, what is the resurrection about? That God proved to mankind that he is Lord, and he proved when he raised from the dead that the word of God is true, that he can support his promises, and he never fails us. Praise his name. I want to turn back over to the Ephesian letter again, chapter 1, and I want to look at verses 18, 19, and 20. 18, 19, and 20 of Ephesians 1. I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened so that you will know what is the hope of his calling, what are the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints, and what is the surpassing greatness of his power toward us who believe. These are in accordance with the working of the strength of whose might? His might. And we have that same resurrection power in our lives. Listen, it's a personal event. I know we think about the resurrection as something that happened uh, 2,000 years ago, and it did, but it's still relevant today. It is still, his power is still working in us And it makes a difference between I can't 
and I can. It makes all the difference in how we get up in the morning and knowing that our future is taken care of because of Jesus Christ. And it makes a difference how you treat your spouse. And it makes a difference how you treat your parents. And it makes a difference how we treat our children and our neighbors and our co-workers and our brothers and sisters in Christ. We go from I can't do it to I can do it because of Jesus taking the cross of Calvary in our place. They call that the substitutionary atonement. He was our substitute. You were destined for the cross to die. I was destined for the cross to die. A horrible, ugly death. And he took our place. And everything is can. We can. We have problems. I bet if we took time this afternoon, met back here, and everybody just discussed, I guarantee everybody's got one to three or five things that they've dealt with in their life. You may be dealing with five right now. We struggle in this world. We have burdens. Our heart gets heavy. Sometimes we lose our nerve. But there is hope and there is power in the resurrection. And I don't want you to just see that power as something back then only, but that it is a relevant power for us who have the Holy Spirit in our life. And I'm saying, we're not tagging into the power. We've got to focus on this. We've got to pray on this. And when we let things whip us, we need to get to our knees and pray and feel that power again because he lives, he lives. The empty tomb, the empty tomb shows us that there is a power in the resurrection. Let me tell you something. An empty church says there's no power in the resurrection. Easter can get us here, but the resurrection can keep us here. It can keep us here. Showing up on Easter Sunday proves that someone told you the Easter story before, and you love that Easter story, and you're here to celebrate. But living it for Jesus every day, 365 days a year, proves that you believe the resurrection story, and you live for him. I tell you what, we always love uh, preachers I'm talking about, Preachers always love an Easter attendance, isn't that right? Yeah. But I'm going to tell you the attendance that counts. Next Sunday. It's next Sunday's attendance that the preacher is looking at. I heard about an unusual event that happened in the Passion Play in the Ozarks. A local man was uh, playing the part of Jesus. <laughs> And he was carrying the cross of Christ through the streets in this passion play. And a tourist began to heckle him and just really rode him until the actor, uh, he, he went over there and he put the cross down and <clears throat> he popped that guy. And the director of the drama took him aside. He was aghast. He said, you cannot do that. You are representing Jesus and Jesus never retaliated. Don't ever do that again. You're messing up what we are trying to do here in representing Jesus. Next night, the tourist is back. He begins to heckle. He's going up and down on him, and the actor again puts the cross over there and goes down there and wrestles the guy down and punches him. And the director said, I've already talked to you about this. You can't do this one more time, and I'm taking the part from you, and someone else will play it. The next night, the tourist, he's enjoying this now. 
he's come back heckling the man again, and he, he's just giving the guy up one side and down the other side, and the actor drugged the cross over there, and he said, wait till after the resurrection. <laughs> Don't you see? We who claim the resurrection power in our life it is supposed to change us. It'll change the way we treat people. It'll change our vocabulary. It'll change our habits. It'll change our church attendance. There are 52 Sundays in a year. It'll change our values. It'll change our priorities. It'll change what we watch on TV. It'll change everything about us because he is the resurrected Christ and he's our Lord. And Lord is more than a title of respect. It is he's my God and I will obey him and, and, and serve him. Resurrection power is in our life to help us. Uh, make the resurrection power real in your life. Make it real in your life. Let tomorrow be different than last year after Easter. Make, make next Sunday special. Make, make next Friday night special. Make every 365 days special. It makes a difference how we view politics how we treat people, how uh, we view the economy in America or the world. Uh, it makes a difference on the phone call we get from a doctor, and it's not good news. It makes a difference when we fear being persecuted for Christ. Uh, it, it, it makes a difference in what the kids do or they don't do. It makes a difference, people, what Jesus' power can do in our heart, in life, in our family when we live by faith for him. It makes a difference. One Sunday in a southern church, the new minister came in. He called on an old deacon to have the opening prayer. And the deacon stood, he bowed his head, and he said, Lord, I hate buttermilk. Well, the preacher at this point has got one eye open. And he's got his eye on this deacon. He said, what? where's he going with this? And he continues, he says, Lord, I hate lard. Now the young minister's perplexed. The deacon prayed, Lord, I ain't too crazy about plain flour. But boy, when you mix them all together and bake it in an oven, I sure do love biscuits. Then he says, Lord, help us to realize when life gets hard, when things come up that we don't like, whenever we don't understand what you are doing, that we need to wait and see what you're making in my life. After you get through mixing and baking, it's going to be something better than biscuits. Jesus Christ can transform each one of us, and he can transform the world if they will come to him. Now, I've got a vision for the church, and don't laugh. These are not funny. My vision for the church is to have a church filled with people that love the Lord more than they love this world. My, my vision for the church is to have a people who will sacrifice uh, anything and everything in their life and of their life that the world may learn about Jesus and that if they have to sacrifice their life, they'll do it. And I have a vision for the church to be filled with single people who are pure and chaste until they marry or until they die, whichever comes first. And I have a vision of where men will love their wives. I have a vision where wives will respect and love their husbands. And I have a vision for the church to be filled with the people who never miss church unless they are sick or a loved one is dying.
the cross. Everything is because of the cross and the resurrection of Jesus. The cross is an expression of undying love and the payment of all of mankind's sin, past, present, and future. The cross is, is our hub. We've, we've been passing out these pocket crosses to the teenagers and uh, the kingdom kids age group, and, and, and these crosses, the cross is our hub of our life. Try to imagine a hub on a bicycle wheel, and if that hub Whatever you've got in the center of your life because it's not the cross of Calvary, it's something else in your life, uh, it's going to break and shatter on you and all the spokes are going to fall out and your whole life is coming down because Jesus Christ is number one in your life. But boy, when you put the cross of Calvary number one in your life, it becomes your GPS. The cross becomes uh, your identity. It becomes your oxygen. It becomes your point of reference. It becomes your life. It becomes your north star. The cross. Everything goes back to the cross. Everything goes back to the death, the burial, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And why is it that so many believers are struggling to live the victorious life? It may be because we've left the cross back in the church auditorium. And we're walking out at the benediction without the cross in our life. And the hub is crumbling all around us. America's hub is crumbling all around us. Jesus said, whoever wants to be my disciple must what? Deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. Man, that's when we leave our desires and wants, when they go up against God's desires and wants for our life. We park them and we don't pick them back up again. There's a story about an Indian evangelist. The Indian evangelist talked about a dead man. He talked about that dead man was laid out on a table and he said, you can take a baseball glove and take that dead man's hand and wiggle it into that baseball glove and that dead man is not going to breathe. He's not going to crack open an eye. He's not going to smile. That glove means nothing to him because he's dead. And you can take a wad of money and you can put it underneath the dead man's nose and you can ruffle it and, and let it put it up to his ear and, and do like that with all those bills and it's not going to do a thing for him because he's dead to money. He's dead to anything in his life. You can put a sexy woman up on the table. You could put a bottle of liquor up to his lips and you could put a bottle in his pocket. It's not going to mean a thing to him because he's dead. And Jesus tells us, to deny yourself, pick up your cross, and follow him. Follow him. And that's what we're doing. The cross represents a moment-by-moment -moment connection with Jesus Christ, with his life, his death, his burial, and his resurrection. Praise his name. A lady was teaching a Sunday school class of kindergarten students, and you know how little they are. She had a life-size poster of Jesus on the wall. And she said to the kids, who is this? And the whole class said, Jesus. And she said uh, to the kids, he said, she said, well, who, where is he? And you're thinking heaven and things like that. And the little kids were saying, he's in me. He's in my heart. Well, there was a visitor that day, a little boy at the table. He looked at that life-size poster of Jesus. And he looked at these little bodies, these little tiny kids. And he looked at Jesus. He looked at these little kids. He said, well, if he lives inside of me, He's going to be sticking out all over. And that may be the best description for you to leave here today. 
is make sure Jesus is sticking out all over in your life. What is the resurrection story about? It's where we catch a vision of more of Him. Let me, let me do that cross. More of Him and less of me. More of Him and less of me. More of the cross, less of me. More of others, less of me. Serve Jesus. I loved it. The church family pitching in for the drama, for Leonardo da Vinci's painting. For you that were not able to see that, let me just break it down real quick in a short illustration. Uh, Da Vinci's portrait captures the reaction of the disciples after Jesus said to them, one of you will betray me. And there were 12 men of 12 different moods, and they were, some were filled with uh, uh, anger, some horror, some shock. They all had a different response. And when you stare at this beautiful painting, you, you, you have to study it, really. It takes a long time to study the faces of all the characters and what they thought of that text. And they all asked the question, is it I? Am I the one that's going to betray you? But the focal point in the entire painting is Jesus. It's not the disciples. It's Jesus. Da Vinci labored incredibly for three years, from 1495 to 1498, laboring three years painting that scene. After it was over, he brought one of his trusted friends to see the painting, and his friend saw it for the very first time. And his friend booed and awed this gorgeous painting. Upon revealing the masterpiece, he waited for his friend's reaction. He was drawn to it. But he was also drawn to the chalice. He was was drawn to the golden cup that Leonardo had painted into that painting because he said, it sparkles like it's a real gold cup. It's so real and lifelike. I could grab it. I could take it. I could drink from it. Leonardo listened to him without saying a word. And Leonardo took his brush and took the paint and he he went over the cup and erased it right out of the painting. His friend said, why did you do that? And Leonardo said, nothing must take away from Jesus. I don't know what you're doing in your life last week or six weeks or six months ago but it's going to make a difference, resurrection power in our life and what we do with the next six minutes and what we do with the next six days and the next six weeks and the next six years or the next 60 years. But nothing in this world should take away from seeing Jesus. Give your everything to Him. I extend an invitation to you today. It's not my invitation. It's the invitation from the Lord to come and deny yourself and to take up your cross and follow Him. It's it's an invitation to to take up faith, and you chose not to believe, you can choose to believe. The choice is yours. But you come repenting of sin. Not not to me, not to this this group. You, You pray to God and you repent of your sin. You confess Christ's name. You say those words, I believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of the living God. and my Savior. And you go to the watery grave of baptism, and there you're buried with Him. It said in Romans chapter 6 and verse 3, 
that we die with him in baptism. Maybe you've not been doing too well in this faith walk, this journey, because you haven't died yet. And you need to die with Christ. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I rejoice in Jesus and what you did through his life. I rejoice in what he did by going to the cross, by dying for my sins and the sins of the world. And I pray in thanksgiving for this, dear God. But I also pray, dear Lord, in thanksgiving that he raised from the grave on the third day. And that was done by your power. And your power, the Holy Spirit, lives in everyone, dear God, that has come to Christ and obeyed him to bow before him, to confess his name, to be baptized into him. And so today, dear God, I celebrate anyone who would come and make Jesus Lord of their life. I celebrate that as well. In Jesus' name I pray, amen.